Hey everybody, welcome back to, to take two of this episode. This is Wicked Good Show. I am your co-host, Dylan. I am here with my other co-host, my friend, my amigo, my co-worker, my movie buddy, my, yeah. my pal. Dare I say, my good friend, Brian. Brian, what's up? Hey, you can even add Stuntman to that. As Stuntman, this week, Considering yes. what we are reviewing today. We are discussing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I am very excited for. Other than Avengers, this is probably the movie I, I've most been looking forward to talk to, most been looking forward to seeing all year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, we're going to get into our thoughts in a little bit, but what makes me even a little more excited is that we have a, a guest today, our yes. officially recurring guest, uh, and he is officially on the first inaugural episode of Wicked Good Show. We are joined by Tamar. Hello, Tamar. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm glad to be the Marco Robbie of the group, <laughs> uh, and I'm very glad to be on the show. Yes. Yeah. Yes, Us definitely. too. You you have a you have a much better outlook on life than, than Brad Pitt and Leo does right here. I'm I'm arguably an alcoholic and, and Brian arguably killed his wife. So right. I think those are both undeniable. Um, oh, uh, so in a little while we're gonna get to talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But first we had a couple trailers come out this week, which I think are probably two movies we're both going to see. It's two movies I'm pretty excited for. Uh, first up is. Uh, Pretty interesting one because I kind of just completely forgot that this was even coming out, and that is The Irishman, which is directed by Martin Scorsese and starring Robert Downey Jr., Joe Pesci, and Al Pacino. Mm -hmm. uh, Brian, what are your thoughts on this? Um, first thought is like I'm pretty surprised that a movie of this caliber, not to knock other movies on Netflix, but with uh, the star power and directing power of this movie, I'm surprised it's coming to Netflix. And then also when I was watching it, I had like a weird existential crisis about how they de-aged um oh my gosh robert de niro and how maybe we're never gonna like lose the youth of actors just because they're gonna be perpetually de-aged forever and then there's gonna be no need to hire any new actors so other than that i think it looks like a really good movie what do you guys think yeah, no, well, kind of to your point, as we saw in Rogue One, uh, what they did with Grand Moff Target, even if you die, you can just he's, come back. He's straight up dead, so. I gotta be honest, De Niro might star in, like, the reboot of of The Godfather Part Two, Godfather yeah. the redo, um, mm -hmm. which, will that's exciting, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> no, I mean, it looks great, I, I, I'm very excited for it, as I said earlier, I kind of completely forgot this was even coming out, because uh, we mm -hmm. heard about it a while ago. Right. Uh, like two or three years ago, and I really haven't heard anything about it since. And I was kind of surprised. Obviously, I, I don't I don't really expect the Irishman to be uh, hosting an event at Comic Con, but I figured like in that there was kind of just that week of trailers that weren't even at Comic Con that were dropping, uh, especially because we're getting close to fall, unfortunately. Hmm. Uh, well, fortunately for movie season, unfortunately for the good weather. But right. uh, there was a talk like. I, as of right now, I'm on IMDb. It says it's coming out September 27th. I don't know how official that is because I don't even think it was in the trailer. But mm -hmm. to be basically coming out in a month and a half and not have a trailer or like a, a poster or anything was uh, pretty surprising. But I, I saw the trailer. I loved it. I think De Niro looks pretty good. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I kind of hope slash expect this to be uh, an Oscar buzz type worth, worthy movie. Uh, Tamora, what do you think? Yeah, so I, I usually don't watch trailers, um, especially if I know I'm going to see the film. But with this one, I, I kind of scrolled through it just to sort of uh, get a look as I anticipated us talking about it. And, I mean, I feel like there's no way this is going to be bad. Like, it's with all of the star power and the director, 
mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, even just the look of the film, it looks amazing. There's no way it's going to be bad. And I think it's also, you know, it's definitely going to be nominated, which is to me is interesting because we were discussing this before the show, how Steven Spielberg uh, really denounced uh, streaming and specifically Netflix mm-hmm. um, as far as uh, Oscar contention. And, you know, this feels like the the opposite of what he was talking about. I think he assumed, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, Netflix was making lesser tier films, but clearly this is, this is something that even if it wasn't funded by Netflix and produced by them, it would definitely be nominated. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, it'll be interesting to see how this kind of shifts uh, people's perspective on like what, uh, what like Netflix is capable of and what, you know, kind of, I think people will take streaming more seriously uh, as far as high, you know, highbrow Hollywood or, you know, the Academy. Yeah. I mean, we, we got our first taste of that last year with Roma. Uh, I thought it's a Quran, mm. uh, in, in my opinion, top three directors in Hollywood right now. Uh, it, it, it was a movie that for sure was not for everyone, especially not really like the casual movie goer, but as a whole, it was one of the most more beautifully shot films I've seen in a, in a while. Uh, and I was actually kind of – I was expecting it to win Best Picture because it just seemed like a prototypical Best Picture movie. Right. Um, but, yeah, the, the the other interesting about this too is that The Irishman is going to be seen – like people are going to probably see this movie that otherwise never would have went to the movie theater to go see a Martin Scorsese movie. Mm-hmm. Um, to kind of throw that term out there again, casual movie goer, which it, it kind of sounds pompous, but like there, there are many of those that will go and see something like Hobbs and Shaw and, and Avengers, which are obviously Avengers we loved. Uh, Hobbs and Shaw, I guess we'll see. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to force myself to go see that. But, um, movies like this, which is kind of beautiful, it also has a $200 million budget, which I guess this this was Martin Scorsese's passion project. And I think this is the first movie he's done since, I don't even remember the name of it, the one with uh, Adam Driver. And the Silence? Silence, yes. Yeah. Um, this is his first movie since then. And apparently this is a movie he's been wanting to make for a while. Uh, the, the premise is a mob hitman recalls his possible involvement with the slaying of Jimmy Hoffa, which Jimmy Hoffa, there's like, there's like pretty much like our, our parents' generation, maybe even the generation before them. Jimmy Hoffa was like the big, like that's, that was the big to do where Jimmy Hoffa was. Was he buried in a giant stadium? Was, was he, was, was he buried in cement under your house? You didn't know. Right. It's a super interesting <laughs> story. Uh, and you have this cast. I mean, I'm really excited. Like, Something about it, and I think it's just really the build-up to it, something about it makes me slightly, slightly nervous. And it could just be that stigma that it's a Netflix movie, because other than maybe two or three movies, we've gotten like some really, really bad movies on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Which, on one side, it's great to have some a lot of original content, but on the other side, they, they have made some some stinkers, mm-hmm. uh, for sure. But uh, uh, to, to Morris' point, I'm really hoping this is the movie that kind of turns that, uh, that that notion that Netflix isn't a powerhouse when it comes to I guess, I guess they're a powerhouse studio although I think they bought they buy up with some movies that are made independently but mm-hmm. uh, you know that they can be put up there with somebody like uh, like well actually Fox now Disney is but I guess like Disney Sony yeah. uh, uh, Paramount stuff like that so mm-hmm. it's gonna be interesting obviously we're gonna see it we're gonna review it uh, and like, right. I'm more than confident it's probably gonna be good but mm-hmm. it's interesting I'm, I'm looking forward to this yeah, I guess my question for you guys is: Are you going to see it in theaters, considering it's basically free for us to watch on our TVs? Probably not. So I, I have, uh, we have AMC A list, 
So mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's basically the same thing for me, other than like a gas to go to it. I I am, I am a sucker for movies and movie theaters. I I will say just the environment as a whole, just being able to see it on the big screen, I do like. But also, it's tough. Like if this movie drops at on midnight the night it comes out, and I'm like wide awake. It's tough not to just sit there and just put it on. You know, right? I guess especially with the technology nowadays too, with some of the sound. Certainly not me, but some of the sound systems and and uh, home theaters uh, people have. It's they could experience it better in different ways than you would in a movie theater. But personally, I, I don't think you can beat the movie theater experience, but I know for sure there's a lot of people, shout out Brian Wong, that hate going to the movie theaters, hate, hate the crowd, hate all <laughs> that. So this this is for people like him, which I th- I do think there's a lot of people that will much rather watch this at home. Yeah, and I, and I can definitely respect that movie theaters can be terrible. I mean, for me, it's personally like the audiences can be really annoying and terrible and like laugh at weird moments that in my mind, aren't even funny and just distracting. <laughs> I don't know, but the other thing with this movie is just that I... And this actually, this is the same feeling I had seeing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, today, which is, like, you don't get that many films uh, in theaters by these, you know, big directors that we love, like Scorsese and Tarantino. You know, Tarantino is supposedly only going to make ten films, so we only have one more that we're yeah. actually going to be able to see in theaters, and I feel like a similar thing with the Irishman where he's he's getting up there in age. Um, who knows how many more films he'll make, let alone release in theaters if this is like the future of uh, of movie making where we just like release it online. Um, so I mean I I will most likely see it uh, but it will be hard to resist just like turning on my TV and being like, yeah, there we go. Kind of to your uh, to your point too, I, I think really with somebody like Martin Scorsese uh, Tarantino is another great example. Although I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was Tarantino's highest-grossing movie at the box office so far, or, or his biggest opening weekend, I think it was. Um, I, I think when you go to a, a movie like this with the Scorsese fans and Tarantino fans, I think you have a lot more people going for the appreciation of like the actual filmmaking rather than the, just like the blockbuster itself, which mm-hmm. I, I can appreciate. But it's also tough because like I, I I I drool over things like Mar- like Marvel movies or superhero movies. Um, but on the other side, I do like I do like going to a theater. People that actually appreciate more than just the the action, and we'll get into it once per time in Hollywood. Yeah, um, well, which is really quick. I just to <laughs> so so I just saw the film today, and I will say that during uh, without spoiling during like one of the big moments, I think you guys know like the most the craziest moment in the movie. There was a fucking guy in the audience like yelling. Like, legit, just like, ah! and I was like, what the fuck is going on? It was completely distracting, and I was just like, okay, I'm like a little bit concerned. Is this guy like a psycho? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm sure you have, like, you know, people who appreciate the films, but there's also ugh, annoying people as well. <laughs> oh, man, you, you, you're, you're almost a weekend, so... Once you get a weekend, yeah, you, get, you get a lot of wild cards going to these things. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. You, you get a lot of people that walked into the wrong theater when 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 they're when it's a weekend. <laughs> um, yeah, no, so it's and it's it's something kind of to the point as a whole. It's something that I, I would hate. With somebody like uh, Spielberg said that even if it came out on Netflix, that a movie that would be like The Irishman, which wherever all all indications are, it's gonna be a great movie. It's gonna be well put together. It's gonna be well acted. It, it doesn't make sense to exclude a movie like that from the Academy Awards just because it's streaming. 
you know, and it's reaching a wider audience. So if if somebody like Spielberg, who produces a lot of movies, it seems like that's almost an argument that's more worried about money rather than the actual movie going experience itself. Um, so that that's that's a stigma that a movie like this hopefully just just kills. Um, but I like I said, you can't beat you can't beat a theater going experience. So maybe I'll maybe I'll double dip. Maybe I'll double dip, and I'll uh, <laughs> I'll do a little comparison, and, and I'll, I'll write it on the blog. Um, yeah. All right, next up, uh, the next trailer that released this week that I'm actually pretty excited for too, because The Witch was one of the scariest yet more interesting movies I've seen in a while. Uh, the Lighthouse, starring Robert Pattinson and my boy Willem Dafoe, uh, directed by Robert Eggers, who directed The Witch, as I just mentioned. Um, the trailer dropped this week. It is a story about two lights, lighthouse keepers on a remote and mysterious New England island in the 1890s. Uh, so right away, uh, also, obviously, you've seen the trailer. It's black and white, so it's uh, super interesting. Um, but the movie seems trippy, uh, to say the least. It's I'm pretty sure at one point we have Robert Pattinson fighting an octopus, and it, 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 could, have been, it could have been a dream sequence, but... Fighting an octopus, black and white, and I, apparently this the this the role that got Pattinson Batman. So like I'm all in. And <laughs> I actually I like Pattinson b- before the whole Batman casting anyway. But uh, tomorrow, what do you think? This is this definitely is going to be a, an interesting film to talk about. Yeah, I'm definitely going to see this. I, I feel like it's the kind of film that's hard to make a trailer of without like really spoiling it too much, and. It's also the kind of thing it's hard, for, I think, for someone to grasp if they're just, like, making a trailer of this, like, weird movie, like, really artsy thing. Um, obviously, killer cast. Love both those actors. I, I wasn't on your guys' uh, podcast when we talked about um, Pattinson, but I totally two thumbs up for him being Batman. I think he's totally a uh, capable actor and has proved that multiple times. Um, but, yeah, as far as this movie, I... If the cinematography looks beautiful, I'm yeah, I'm definitely going to see it. And for anyone that saw The Witch, they know that it, uh, Robert Eggers' way of filmmaking is the tension and like the, it's like gut wrenching tension is the only way to really describe the the Witch for me. Um, it both scared the shit out of me, but I was also like entranced by what was going on. Um, in The Lighthouse. It's it seems like it's just gonna be a, a fucking wild movie. I think it's already aired uh, at a few festivals, and I think it's it's been getting pretty good, pretty decent reviews. Um, it's sitting with an 8.2 in IMDb right now, with about 500 reviews, which uh, isn't awful. Um, so it's 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 a movie. It's kind of like Midsummer, uh, Midsummer, where you're gonna get the, you're gonna get the crowd that that loves the director, like I did with Ari Aster and Midsommar, but you're also going to get the crowd that drifts in about a weekend casually, and they're going to knock on you and be like, what the fuck is this? Like, what is going on right now? Um, which, I'm down for that. Brian, what do you what do you think? What did you think about the trailer? So Lighthouse, I think, is really interesting. I think that it kind of seems to be, like, made stylistically, like, kind of old films were, which has always been something that's interested me in, like, what if you just like made a film in the style of how they like used to make movies in like the fifties or sixties, you know, like the black and white old school ones. Um, so that could be interesting. Obviously Robert Pattinson, William Dafoe are two very talented actors. So I don't know. could be good. It's, you know, it's obviously a little vague as to what the plot is in the trailer, but 
you know, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and kind of to my point earlier, like originality, like original movies, mm. good or bad, I'm, I'm kind of I'm here for. I'm I'm here to. I, I love the superhero genre. Love. I'm a, I'm a sucker, and I drool over some of the remakes, but I'm all for originality, and uh, mm. this definitely uh, seems to be that. Um, right. All right, baby. Let's 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 get into it. We've uh, we've had a lot of te- technical difficulties. It's been an uphill battle, but we're here. We made it. Let's uh, let's do Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes, uh, let's do it. So, so this is going to be spo- uh, spoiler free. Then spoiler. Uh yeah, we can do a quick spoiler free. It's all tough right. to do a spoiler. Uh, yeah. Quick one. No, I know. We'll do like um, two minutes. Yeah, 2019's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood obviously uh, came out this last week, last Thursday. Uh, starring Leo, directed by Quentin Tarantino, also starring Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, um, a faded television actor and a stunt double strive to achieve fame and success in the film industry during the final years of Hollywood's golden age in 1969. Mm-hmm. Um, Tamora, you're our guest. You're, you're fresh off of seeing it. I would love to get your, your spoiler-free take first. Sure, sure. I feel I do feel like this is a tough one to talk about spoiler free just because the ending is so like important as to putting the whole film together. But that kind of connects to my my sort of general feeling about it, which is that it a lot of it just felt disconnected, especially for like a Tarantino film. It, it feels pretty different from what he's done before in a way where it it kind of, it felt like it was trying to be a, a kind of a, I mean, maybe it's because it's, because he, that's what he's trying to capture is the Hollywood era, but it felt like a Hollywood movie in essence that kind of didn't have a solid story throughout until you kind of reach the ending and then you kind of realize, oh, this is what it's been leading up to. Mm-hmm. And you, without any spoilers, you realize this is kind of, <laughs> In my mind, uh, Tarantino, um, how do I say this without spoiling it? Rewriting history in, this, in, in a similar way that he does in uh, Inglorious Bastards in a kind of a very like selfish way, which obviously he's allowed to do because he's, he's an artist and he's Tarantino and all of the you know various reasons. But yeah. Uh, I, I just like I like Dylan mentioned. I just watched it like two hours ago, so I'm still kind of um, digesting it. But uh, well, I'm, I'm curious what you guys thought, Brian. I, you you saw it twice, right? Yeah, Dylan did too. We both have seen it two oh, times wow. so far. Yeah, I saw it Monday and Tuesday. Um, I liked it quite a bit. I think <clears throat> this is a movie that probably only Quentin Tarantino has the clout um, to make. Yeah, and, no doubt. <laughs> In terms of it is it is a slow movie. It's like two hours and forty minutes long. Um, there, it's very heavy on character. Um, I think it has a really great, like dynamic, like a buddy dynamic, in it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe more than like any film I've seen, probably where I really felt like these two guys were just like bros. Um, and that says a lot to like the chemistry and the character for those two actors but uh i think that it is the going to be like the quintessential example in writing classes when a teacher says that plot is only important if you have compelling characters and if you have compelling characters you can still have a compelling story without a driving plot um Mm -hmm. in my opinion uh that's what i thought dylan what do you think 
um, I uh, it, I love this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Hollywood as a whole has always really intrigued me, and it's kind of been the even even more so than something like sports. Like Hollywood as a whole has mm-hmm. just always been something I've I've really I've really enjoyed following and and watching movies things like that. Right. Um, as we talk the Oscars, I love. Um, this movie, first and foremost, is a movie about Hollywood. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of like what Tamora said. This this is kind of Tarantino's uh, love letter to old old time Hollywood. And I, I mean, I was really here for it. Uh, I thought Leo gave his best acting performance that, of his career. Honestly, mm-hmm. um, I think The Revenant, which he won the award for, uh, was 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 a was a good movie. With with a really good performance by Leo, but I mean he kind of like blew me away in this movie. Um, yeah. I give it I give it a 97 out of 100. Like mm-hmm. I've seen it twice now, and I, I absolutely am just in love with this movie. I I haven't been able to stop thinking about it, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, I think Brad Pitt turns in one of his best performances. Um, Rick Dalton and, and Cliff Booth are two of the more complex but but interesting characters Tarantino's done. Uh, right. Just in terms of of originality. Other than that, with um, with I, I, I forget, I forget the character in um, in Inglorious Bastards. I forget the name. The of, main character, uh, Aldo. Of, of, no, not Aldo. Um, I'm drawing a blank right now on his name. Um, the, the, the German. The German. The the German. Um, the guy that hunts the Jews. Um, I thought that was arguably his one of his better uh, characters in a movie. I'm um, mm. just. It, I think acting had a lot to do with it. But Leo and Brad Pitt in this movie, like the combination of their acting and their characters kind of really just blew me away. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of to Swarm's point, there's really like up until the final half hour, there's really on the face of it, there's no story. Um, mm-hmm. there, this is really a movie about a day in the life of, of, of an actor and his stunt double, mm-hmm. first and foremost. Um, and I guess the story is, is really Rick Dalton uh, and Cliff Booth dealing with with their careers changing with Hollywood changing. And mm-hmm. I, I was here for it. I, I thought, I thought it was great. I think Margot Robbie as, as Sharon Tate, um, we'll get into it uh, in the spoilers because it's really impossible to fully talk about the movie, but mm-hmm. uh, she, I thought she was great as Sharon Tate with, with the maybe 10 lines she had. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think just, just her, her personality just fit everything they were going for, just trying to show the person Sharon Tate was and just to mm-hmm. show that she was more than a murder victim. She was just a, a real person who was like full of life. Mm-hmm. And it, on the, on the opposite end, Rick Dalton was somebody that was down and out in Hollywood and he was kind of giving up and mm-hmm. his, his stunt double on the other end was somebody that has embraced that, that what the change they're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I loved it. I I've seen it twice. I'm seeing it for a third time. It's, uh, it's really tough not to get lured in by recency bias and the fact that Tarantino just has me by the balls <laughs> with pretty much everything he makes. But I, I really, I really, really, really like this movie it, to the point where I, I ended up revising a lot of my my score my movie scores as I talked to you about with you guys earlier. Like, mm-hmm. like I give it a 97 out of 100, but I also think this is maybe the best movie I've seen in like in like five years. Like I. I I'm just in love with this movie, and I totally understand it's divisive and not for everyone. And I can't even argue the other side. Yeah, but, well, yeah, um, certainly not for everyone. I have seen it firsthand. Yeah, I, right. but I'm sure. 
<laughs> there's like there's three people for this movie. There's people that absolutely hate it. Mm-hmm. There's people that think that it's a it's a good not great movie, and there's people kind of on my side that think it's best than sliced bread. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly may be in the minority, but like I said, I'm just I'm blown away. I I, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, no, I I enjoyed it quite a bit as well. Should we go into spoiler territory? Let's do it. Let's do it, baby. Spoiler territory. All right, everybody. From this point um, on, we're spoiling the shit out of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Guy in the motorcycle. Yeah. Jump off. Jump off Just, right now. It's not, yeah. <laughs> um, um, Brian, kick it off, baby. Spoilers. So, yeah, this, like Tamora alluded to, is a revenge fantasy film. Um, kind of taking revenge for, you know, a Hollywood star that was murdered brutally so he portrayed their her murderers getting <laughs> murdered pretty much as brutally as possible which was a very interesting route to go and one that i did kind of suspect after uh inglorious bastards but if you're not like familiar with his work you may have been surprised well i was actually so it was actually spoiled for me oh i was like I, yeah it's oh. kind of like I was, I was out to lunch with uh, some people who work at my company and they mm. They spoiled it, unfortunately, but um, it didn't uh, detract from the shock and the sheer like force of the scene. Um, it's so brutal, but the, it's so like conflicting as well because you're watching this and you're like, these are characters who are playing people who really did murder, you know, a pregnant woman and mm-hmm. murdered murder a bunch of people and uh, three probably of did other and then like a few others after that. Yeah, like yeah, not good people. Like, yeah, exactly. It's like, here are these brutal, you know, this brutal uh, murder scene, mm-hmm. but kind of in a sick way, Just it's justified, <laughs> at least, you know, in like Tarantino's eyes. And it's kind of him, as I talked about in the, the pre-spoiler part, it's, it's him, yeah, just getting his revenge in like the only way, in an in, in, in only... Uh, only how like Tarantino could like he mm. makes an amazing two-hour film and then just puts the fucking period at the end with like <laughs> yeah and then they actually lived happily ever after in my universe uh, yeah, because the bad tale. guys that's, like got killed that's, that's why it's called <laughs> Once Upon a Time yeah. in Hollywood yeah I uh what do you think an argument I make in favor of of his decision is I really I don't I don't really don't think this movie gets made if this is a Manson a Manson family Sharon Tate uh, murder movie. Yeah. Um, I, I really, I, I, I guess at first the uh, the Tate estate was like super against Tarantino making this, mm-hmm. especially when it was originally supposed to be released on on the I think the fiftieth anniversary of the murders. Oh my God. Um, and when I guess Tarantino met with them and explained that the, you, they he explained the ending that you know we're not going to end up killing. Uh, Sharon Tate and Jay Sebring and their friends mm-hmm. there. Um, this is going to be a, re- a visionist uh, history uh, story, mm-hmm. and they gave their approval. And like their one other request was, don't put it on the, on the uh, anniversary, which uh, yeah. seems pretty fucking fair to me. That, yeah, um, that, that has to be an incredibly tough um, uh, day for them. Somebody had brought about two or th- like a couple months ago. Somebody brought up to me that the the, the chance that this is going to the history is going to be revised. This is going to be an alternative universe. And yeah. once I heard that, I was like, that's exactly what he's fucking doing. Yeah. Um, I wasn't spoiled on it. 
like, like Tomorrow was, which that that stinks. But kind of to your point, I don't think it takes away from the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole the, the the excellence of that scene is is the violence itself. Um, like it's just such fucking overkill. It was like Tarantino was like holding back for so long and like foaming at the mouth. He's like, mm-hmm. I really like telling the story. I really love Hollywood, but I need someone to fucking die right now. Yeah. Um, and that's for sure what he did. I legitimately laughed out loud when when yeah. Rick Dalton walked out the shed with the, with the flamethrower. <laughs> I was just like, yeah. oh, man, this is happening. Like, this is Me fucking too. hilarious. I, I shit you not. Me too. I was yeah. like, I couldn't help it. I, I'm in my head, I was like, why am I laughing so hard? This is like the most fucked up thing I've seen in like a while. But you, I don't know. And that, yeah, it's, I guess it's the over-the-top nature where it's like, this is just pure, like... <laughs> Oh, it's pure Tarantino-esque. Yeah. Well, it's like, especially with Cliff, like, that's, uh, when when you, like, think, like, oh, man, if someone were to bust in right now, that's what I would do. That's, like, what he actually does. Yeah. <laughs> he fucking, like, so, like, stab, tries to stab, he grabs his arm and punches the knife and stabs him <laughs> by punching the knife. Like, uh, it's just, yeah, at that point, I was just like, all right, like, take me where you want to take me, Quentin Tarantino. Like, I'm along for this ride. Like, obviously, him killing that other girl by smashing her head into the telephone and oh my God. The, the, yeah, that was the telephone. Fu- yeah and with like the little dings like while he does it I'm just like oh man that was a lot but you know what um i i understand why i get like a standing ovation at that film festival because presumably um you know those are all like hollywood types you know very knowledgeable about the history and the the murder of sharon tate's probably like a black cloud over hollywood especially like older people who are maybe there for it so it was probably like a moment of great catharsis for them to watch like her murderers get like murdered in the most fucked up way possible yeah it got to be specific i think it got like a nine minute standing ovation just nine Mm -hmm. minutes straight of people clapping uh so yeah i mean i feel like that's very telling Mm mm-hmm I think I think essentially bring that up, Brian. I think like one of the quotes, uh, I forget who said it, and I, I this is not verbatim at all. Um, they, somebody said that like when when Manson murders happened, when when Sharon Tate died was when it was either like the '60s or or like yeah, old, old Hollywood died. Um, like that was like mm. the, the quote that like old that Hollywood, the, moment. the hippie movement, yeah. the hippie movement like really died with this also, because um, you had a, a you had a a bunch of hippies living at a at a at Spawn Ranch at an, at an old um, Western filming area. And um, they kind of went from like these peaceful people and all of a sudden everybody saw like these, like murderers, these, these yeah. Satanists, these murderers. Like, and the people that did it were like super fucked up, obviously. Oh and my I, God. Yeah. That was, that was the other thing with Tarantino too, is like, he's not going to let these, he, this movie for sure was not going to be, um, was not going to d- display actual events. Cause that was the thing Tarantino wanted to be like, like, like he wanted to, mutilate these people which he did um mm. and I, I i loved it i like i, I laughed out loud when he threw the can at her face oh my God. i like yeah, yeah. I, I like i like blurted out like laughter like it, like her face is just fucking broken it was just it was also kind of like you knew it was coming too you knew at yeah. some point that the tarantino violence was coming I'm and, throw that can. <laughs> yeah he's gonna yeah when he didn't open it uh is i yep. just brad pitt that whole last scene is like i think that might be his best work ever like it's so good he's so amazing it's very good and like it's like, hard to compare but yeah, yeah i mean and even what you mentioned earlier dylan with this being Leo's best performance it just shows such a range 
Mm. And I think it, it part of that has to do with him playing an actor where you have to like, it's this, it's this double layer of, you know, actor playing actor, you know, and then you see like, like Brian mentioned the struggle of like him, you know, his inner conflict. Actually, I think this Brian mentioned this before the podcast. We, we were just relating to his like, you know, shitting on himself, trying to be yeah. like a better artist. And, right. you know, I think everyone, every artist feels that way sometimes. Mm-hmm. And he just, you know, he projects it in such like a funny way, but it's, yeah. it's so relatable. No, the, the screaming at yourself in the mirror is a very relatable. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. When he's That's... like, I love when he's like, yeah. I will show like, you. I'll blow your brains out. Yeah. Blow your brains out all over that pool tonight. <laughs> He's like looking at the camera too. Yeah. It's so fucking oh funny. my god! Yeah, I mean it's 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 a super relatable argument with himself. Sister mm-hmm. yells out, you know, you had to have eight, you had to have eight whiskey sours. Why didn't you stop at three? You had to have fucking eight. Yeah, and he's like, you're never drinking again. Drink it again. You never drink sip. again. Then he takes the swig, dude. It's so good. It's um, it's even like everything. Even like with the with the when the, he's filming the TV shows, um. And I, I I think when he's filming the the, the Lancer show when he's t- he's doing a scene with Timothy Dalton, mm-hmm. uh, not Timothy Dalton, Timothy Dalton. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I like after, uh, for a couple of minutes I almost completely forgot what movie I was watching because <laughs> right. I was like, and it's something Tarantino does best. He gets you invested in like nothing. He gets you invested <laughs> in like nonsense. Yeah, and, like I was yeah. sitting there You're watching like, this, this movie. This doesn't matter, but this is compelling. And I was like, I was invested in in the TV show they were filming. Like I was like yeah. following it like word by word. I'm like, God damn, like this seems pretty good. Right, then, I would watch then, that episode. Fuck yeah. And then he pulls you out of that trance when when Leo forgets his line, mm-hmm. yeah. which I thought was just so well done. Yeah. I um. I I everything with the and I think a lot of the biggest complaints of this movie is one, it's too long, um, which I think is fair. I don't agree with it, but I think it's a fair argument. Um, I, I'm never anything under three hours. I don't think is too long for a movie. I think I think a movie at least needs to be over two hours for because it's something like a drama to fully weed out a story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think a lot of people also said that he could have cut back on like the him filming the westerns. But mm-hmm. it kind of adds to everything as a whole, especially that 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 trailer freak out. Um, I think Rick Dalton was arguably maybe Tarantino's most fleshed out character. Like I, I feel like at the end of this movie, you really knew who Rick Dalton was. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning, you see this guy that that looks like he was a TV star. Um, he's rich. He lives next to Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you find out that like he's he's fading. Uh, he's an alcoholic. Um, he, he generally cares about his craft of acting, and he doesn't want to just fade away. Yeah. Um, he doesn't want to kind of you know tuck his tail between his legs and go to Italy to make these these spaghetti, spaghetti westerns. Western. Which ironically um, ended up being like some of the defining movies of yeah. like that time or the spaghetti westerns. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I love the title of one of the movies. It was something like "Who Shot Ringo?" Oh, for the Gringo. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, some of them were so ridiculous. Oh, oh man, that was so good. Um, and then I like Tamara Robbie, which I like. I don't think she should be really lost in any of this. Mm. Um, I thought she did a really good job, like like portraying. I like. I don't know Sharon Tate. I didn't know her. Like I, I never yeah, seen the movie right, she was right. in. Um, but I think his whole point was exactly that the whole point that she was in this movie throughout the duration is like the show that Sharon Tate was like a real person. Mm-hmm. She's a person like full life. She generally cared about, she was rising in Hollywood. She generally cared about, um, about being loved. And she seemed like a really yeah. good person. They showed it too, where she picks up, she picks up the girl hitchhiking. Mm-hmm. She drives her around. Um, yeah. Appa- yeah. She's like the only one who cares about the hippies, <laughs> which apparently was a true story also. Um, it's oh, well. so, I thought that this was him kind of also saying like we're not gonna kill Sharon Tate. It's revisionist. 
revised history. Mm-hmm. Um, but this movie's also going to show it's showing like three different facets of Hollywood. It's showing Leo, showing Brad Pitt, who's like he obviously wasn't a, a Hollywood star. No, um, but it shows his whole thing. From the beginning. That whole fucking scene with him fighting Bruce Lee. And then oh it it ends up cutting back to him being like, oh, okay, like fair enough. Like when yeah. he got kicked off the set, it's just so, it was just so fucking good. And I, I like Brad Pitt just played that perfectly. Yeah, Kurt Russell too, hilarious uh, in that it's, scene. It's it's like like Bruce Dern in this. Like there's so many people that just are in it for like a scene or two. Mm-hmm. It's just and I think it all like plays back to Tarantino. It's yeah. just it's 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 just perfect. I, like, I think it was a good final role for Luke Perry too. He was good in that scene. Yeah, Boston. Yeah, that was that was awesome. Um, sad, obviously, but mm. so like he was really good in that. Yeah, like you said, I mean, Quentin is just an amazing director. So everyone in this movie is gonna be good. The nine year old, the eight year old. Yeah, she was like one of my favorite. <laughs> All the parts with her and Leo were just so amazing. And then obviously, yeah. there's the part in the trailer, which I wish it wasn't in the trailer because it's yeah. such, it's delivered so perfectly. And like I saw it coming, and I was like, when's that gonna come? It's like the yeah. funniest thing. Um, but it's just such a it's such a nice moment, and mm-hmm. honestly, the, the more we talk about this, I realize how much this is. Yes, it's a revenge film, but it's it's also just a, a love letter, not only to Hollywood but to Sharon Tate as well. We have these mm-hmm. moments of her like going to the movies, and you know she's she's portrayed as such a, like a wonderful spirit, and um, I do think Margot Robbie did a great job, especially considering she you didn't she didn't have that many lines i mean she's really just she's emanating this sort of uh this like this positive uh, vibe out there yeah exactly and you and you really read that throughout these like you know it's just like her driving but you get that sense it's like it's really like understated Hmm. but um another performance that i really loved i have to like look up the actress's name really quick i have it on my phone um Hmm. is well the uh margaret Margaret Qualley, who was the um, the hippie who ends up bringing Brad Pitt to the to yeah. the ranch, yeah, she was so unbelievably good and like just like so like specific, like the things that she would do with like her mannerisms uh, were so good. Even though the hippies are portrayed in this like very very uh, poor light, um, yeah, yeah. What did you guys think of her her performance? She's great. Um, I think. Especially, it's it'd be intimidating and hard. I don't know. Maybe actors don't have this uh, this gene, and that's what makes them like actors, or some of them don't. But like, sharing so many scenes with Brad Pitt would be very mm-hmm. like, oh my god, I really need to bring my A game. She crushed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, yeah, agreed. Um, another person I want to shout out who I think is like one of the most up and coming actresses in Hollywood is uh, Maya Hawk from mm-hmm. Stranger Things. Um, she oh, was only. Yeah. She was only in this for a scene, but I, I think she's still she's just she's great. She um, was she, she was great in Stranger Things. She was great in the in the in the the two minute scene she was here where she yeah. she was the one of the would be killers that ended right. up just just stealing the car and running away. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it was it was I, for me. Expect like I've seen it twice now, and like I said, Tarantino really really just knows what make what gets me going. Um, right. But like every scene, I was really just invested. Mm. Um, I thought uh, there was a, some nice uh, juxtaposition. I don't want to forget to mention this. Um, obviously, he's living next to Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate, mm-hmm. and like they're kind of like ships passing in the night in terms of their careers, you know? Yep. Like Rick Dalton's on the way out. They're mm-hmm. on the, the come up. 
I just right. thought that was like a nice, you know, th- right now in this moment, they're sharing the same like road, but I, you know, I also, uh, I love the, um, the great escape, um, mm-hmm. revised scene with, with Leo instead of <laughs> Steve McQueen. Uh, yeah. the great escape was like one of the first like old movies I was exposed to and like, mm-hmm. I absolutely loved it. And so that was, that was, that was awesome too. That the technology of that too. Cause, uh, I think they just, I think it was the same like film that was used for a great escape and then mm-hmm. they just somehow managed to put Leo into it. And it just yeah. looked like it was, it was looked like it was, that was the actual movie. And it was just, yeah. it was awesome. And it just also showed Rick Dalton, like, like Rick Dalton at one point had a chance to be as big as Steve McQueen. Cause that was the movie right. that really pushed him over the top. And right. it, it's, it was, it was great. It, it's like, you got inside Rick Dalton's head. And it was, um, mm-hmm. I, I, like I said, I really love it. It's, I, I can't say enough good things about it. And I, I am totally, I, I'm not defensive of all of how divisive it is. Um, this, it's, uh, it's not for everyone for sure. Um, okay. but I think if, if you're, if you're in the Tarantino group, it's really tough not to like, at least not recognize the, the, the good parts of this movie, um, and to kind of throw away how, however long it was. However, um, and people forget like Pulp Fiction too. Pulp Fiction technically doesn't have a story as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, it's another day in the life thing that, and all the events connect. And uh, it's not quite the same in the, as this, but um, I, I still I was here for it. It's it's a movie I want to see uh, many more times, and it's something I'll probably still keep enjoying. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm uh, I'm glad Tarantino has at least one more film left because I'm not ready for this dude to stop making. I'm not ready for that either. Man. I I, just, no. I would watch movies like this every day. You know, like please someone take up the mantle after. Quentin leaves. I, I don't think he's gonna stop because I mean he well, he's, he's said that he's gonna make a Star Trek, but like that can't be his last film. And that uh, he, he just has it, from the sound of it, he has so many other films in mind. Like he wants to make like a Kill Bill uh, spinoff about the I forget I don't know her name, but the black girl's daughter, the black woman's daughter who like gets murdered in like the first scene in the mm-hmm. first movie. Uh, her daughter like growing up and like getting revenge and stuff like that. She he wants to make a film about that. Mm. Heard about like other sequels and ideas that he has. Like I I kind of doubt he's gonna stick to this, this ten personally, but Yeah. I mean I there was a great um video on variety with Leonardo DiCaprio and Quentin Tarantino talking about the character of Rick Dalton. And mm. just like <laughs> It really makes you want to like step up as a writer when you hear Quentin Tarantino talk about the thought and effort he went about creating this character and like all the movies like he made Leo watch and all the old TV shows from like the 50s and he's like okay I'm taking this part of this guy for you you know and it's like damn that is such commitment and such work I can't imagine he would ever not want to continue doing that but uh, I don't know all right, I think um, I think we pretty much said all that needed to be said. Uh, I think mm-hmm. we we're both obviously giving it a go see it. Wait, what did uh, you guys think of Lena Dunham? She was actually uh, good. I, I, thought, I, I thought she was bad. <laughs> I, I didn't really like. I'm a big anti Lena Dunham guy, but I don't think uh, she's a good. She was. She was whatever. She was I'm good. not like anti her. I just thought yeah. she wasn't fit for that. But uh, was, anyway, I think so. it's really jarring to where she's almost as famous for her acting as she is for just being Lena Dunham, which makes it hard to see someone like that disappear into a role. Yeah. Right. It's kind of like when he had Jonah Hill in, um, (laughs) was it Django? Yeah. It was just so distracting. And it was like, 
Yeah. Uh, well, he yeah, likes doing. He likes putting like a random comedy type person into roles. Yeah. That that was that's one thing that I can say about this movie too for Leo mm-hmm. is that this is probably maybe the only movie that I watched and I like I kind of just forgot that, that was Leonardo DiCaprio on screen. Like right. I was watching it, I'm like, oh, like that's Rick Dalton. You know, like <laughs> I, I, like, like uh, it's I, I completely forgot that, that was Leo, and it kind of just shows and kind of proves my point that I think that, that was his best role because mm-hmm. he got so into it, and he was just so believable as that person mm-hmm. um, that it was just I don't know. I thought he was just flawless. Yeah, uh, really to end it. The uh, world um, building was quite good too in terms of like mixing, you know, the fake reality of bounty law with rick dalton with like these real things like fbi and lancer yeah you know it made it seem so real the music the music in the car like the 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 posters for the movies you really felt like you were in the 60s Mm -hmm. you felt like this was shot in the 60s like it looked just looked it looked too good to just be like like put like props and stuff but Mm -hmm. like it just looked great that was the first time i had seen dakota fanning in anything in a while oh she was phenomenal too yeah squeaky frog Yep. Like went on the shoe Jero Ford. Yeah. yeah, right. She's, she's a real bad person. But uh yeah, she yeah. was great in that short role. But those like close ups of her to me were like some of the most Tarantino esque parts. Like yeah. with her dialogue and just like the feel of it was just because like I don't know, like like I mentioned earlier, like I there was so much of the film where I didn't really feel it was like yeah, I didn't feel his imprint beyond like I guess well, I didn't feel his imprint as much as I have in in his past films, which I was missing. And like, you know, even some of the like, you know, he's kind of known for like putting in these like strange blocks of dialogue that have nothing to do with the story at all, like Pulp Fiction in the beginning of that with the with the uh, whatever the the Burger King mm-hmm. conversation, the what is it called? The Royale, Royale. With cheese. Yeah, Royale with cheese, like infamous yeah. stuff like that. And I didn't feel like there was a ton of that in this. But there definitely were moments of that, and, and I thought Dakota Fanning was like one of those key moments. <laughs> yeah, their relationship. You like, uh, he does such a good job of building up the tension and drama. Yeah, yes. the tension in that scene was was yeah uh, unbelievable because yeah. uh, it's Tarantino. Like I was full expecting for Brad Pitt to just be shot. Die. Or, yep, me yeah. too. When I, I so first worried. saw it, I was like, oh, he's gonna die. This like, I is like terrible. This <laughs> like all of the characters at least you know the main three are so likable and you really yeah. don't want anything to happen to them <laughs> um, all right i think a good uh, i think a good way to cap off this episode is to uh quickly go through a top five tarantino which is um you don't really get to see a tarantino review a tarantino movie every day and i think it's uh pretty cool to go through his uh we won't do all nine but we'll go through uh right his top five at least for us um brian Put the spotlight on you. Why don't you go first? Would you like me to read all five or just my number five? Let's uh, let's go, let's go, uh, let's go number by number for each person. I'm sorry. So we'll go. You do five. Yep. uh, Tomorrow do his five, and then I'll do my five. All right. So my number five is Reservoir Dogs. Um, I, I, it's obviously it's his first movie. Um, it's really like a cool, fun indie movie, and the dialogue is great. The way he, you know, was able to make it on a pretty tight budget from what I've read and, you know, make something so compelling. And, I mean, it launched it launched all of this, you know. Without yeah. Reservoir Dog, we don't have uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Sure don't. Um, Tamor, you're number five. 
All right, so I haven't actually made an official list, so mm -hmm. let me just remember all of these. Um, I think number five for me is The Hateful Eight. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I really liked it. I mean, I've only seen it once. I've seen most of his films more than once. Um, mm -hmm. The only one that I haven't seen is Jackie Brown, mm -hmm. um, but I haven't heard, like, amazing things about it, so I feel like, you know, it wouldn't have been in my top five anyway. But yeah, uh, Hateful Eight, I just really loved the performance and, and the uh, performances and the cinematography. So I, I would say, I don't think Tarantino has ever made a bad movie, um, mm -hmm. not by a long shot, but Hateful Eight's probably, probably, um, probably at the bottom of my list. Mm. Um, but I also like Hateful Eight, so it's like, it's a weird, it's right. a weird thing to, to do. And I don't count uh, Death Proof, whatever that movie was, Rob Rodriguez and him. Yeah. Um, no. It's a good one, but that. yeah, it's... This kind of falls into his second tier, like Natural Born Killers and From Dusk Till Dawn, where it's like, well, you wrote this, you got to end in yep. the creation, but this isn't a Quentin Tarantino movie. Actually, um, you guys should rewatch it. It's it's really good. <laughs> now that I'm like remembering it, like the whole part in the bar where like she dances for him and stuff, like all the dialogue, it's actually very good. Anyway, <laughs> uh, my number five is uh, Django Unchained. Mm -hmm. um, uh, same thing. I think Django Unchained was actually the very first Tarantino movie I saw in the movie theaters. Right, believe yeah. it or not, it was really when I finally found like my appreciation for for mm. movies and film. And I think only like only like several weeks before I had seen Reservoir Dogs for the first time. Mm -hmm. um, so I was like I was on like a Tarantino high uh, at the time. Uh, yeah, Django Django's number five for me. I thought um, Doctor Doctor Schultz. I keep forgetting his his, his name, uh, mm. and I, I feel t terrible. Um, oh, Christoph Waltz. Christoph Waltz. Thank you. Thank you. Good <laughs> Lord, Doctor Schultz. That was that was that was. He was unbelievable in that, especially oh, playing so the great. villain yeah. in the Glorious Bastards. To see him as a good guy, it was mm -hmm. it was great. Jamie Foxx was awesome. Our boy Leo was great. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that's my number five. Django. Every time he's uh, on. Oh, yeah. Um, Leo was super robbed from winning the Oscar that year. The fact that he turned in that performance, and I know Christoph Waltz won it. Let's say he lost to Christoph Waltz. He's really good. Leo, like you've never seen Leo as like just this, a sadistic bad guy before. Let loose like that, yeah. I he pulled it off. It was like this deserves the award, but I get it. Christoph Waltz, amazing. I, I think it's going to be a debate we'll have this year because I don't think that Brad Pitt. And I guess like it's it's up to people if they think that Brad Pitt should be nominated, but mm -hmm. it, you can't nominate Brad Pitt as a as a, a supporting actor. Like he has to be, he has to be nominated for for a lead actor. He's in. Mm -hmm. He's in fifty percent of this movie when Leo's in the other fifty percent. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, that should be interesting. Um, I guess I'll, I'll I go. Add, I just want to add. I hate Django. I've seen it. I've seen it twice. <laughs> oh, no. I can't. I just can't. I can't get into it. I really oh, don't like it. No. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> this because oh, we almost died driving home from Django tomorrow. Do you remember that? Yeah, it was like a blizzard. And we went oh. to see it in my shitty Honda Civic, and we like were driving That's through so Holden funny. at like one mile per hour. <laughs> I do remember seeing it with like you and the that group, yeah. and like being the only one who was like, I really didn't like that. But... <laughs> anyway, all right. Dude, um, what's your number four? My number four is uh, Kill Bill Volume One. Mm. Um, I don't count the Kill Bills as one whole movie, mainly because I had to pay separately <laughs> to buy both of them. It's <laughs> um, a fair stipulation. Yeah, Kibble Volume One, Uma Thurman. Uh, shout out, mother of uh, of what's her name? Of um, uh, uh, I'm forgetting her name already. Ethan Hawke's daughter that was in Stranger Things. So him and him and Uma Thurman's daughter, Maya Hawke. There we go. Um, uh, Uma Thurman's awesome in this. It's it's a pure action movie that still has the witty Tarantino dialogue. 
Um, Tarantino was a big fan of like the 1970 karate movies and stuff, and this was like his homage to that. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. The first Kill Bill to me is is just it's awesome. It's every time it's on, I'm watching it beginning to end. I can't look away. It's just it's so fucking good. And Uma Thurman is so fucking good in it. The action is just perfect. Um, yeah, Kill Bill number four for me. Awesome. Uh, two more. You're number four. Number four. Right now, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Reservoir Dogs, mm. but it's almost like a tie between that and Once Upon a Time mm. in Hollywood. Um, but since I've, I just saw it today, I feel like I can't really include it in my top five. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go with Reservoir Dogs, which I think was the second film I saw by him mm-hmm. um, as like a high schooler. And oh no, actually, I probably saw it like after Kill Bill. But anyway, saw it in high school, really like influenced me, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it's an amazing film. Yeah, I agree. Obviously, I just had number five at number four. <laughs> I have no qualms about putting uh, Once Upon a Time in, Ho- in Hollywood as my number four. Because I saw it on Tuesday, which is long enough for me to... <laughs> and you saw it to, twice. And I saw it two times. I, yeah. I love it. I think it's going to be one of my favorites. surprise for you coming up. <laughs> what, uh, what, is, what is the surprise coming up? You'll see. You'll see. All what's right. your uh, What's your number three? <laughs> my number three is Inglorious Bastards. Um, I remember, I think this was the first one I saw in theaters of Quentin Tarantino. Um, and just like rem- remembering how awesome it was um, and how psyched I was to finally go see like Quentin Tarantino movie in theaters. Um, it's really an incredible film, obviously a revenge film. It's, it's what you wish happened in World War II. And, uh, you know, Brad Pitt turns in a phenomenal performance. Obviously, you already said, everyone already knows, Christoph Waltz, a career-making performance in terms of English-speaking films. Yep. Um, and yeah, man, I just, I just love that. What about you, tomorrow? What's number three? I agree. Uh, Glorious Bastards is my number three as well for uh, basically the same reasons. Uh, to me, it's like the perfect balance between like the Tarantino ball-to-the-wall scenes. Like The ending is just so epic. Mm-hmm. But it also has those moments of like, you know, quiet buildup. And, the, mm-hmm. you, know, it, you know, not only once, you know, you have the, the introduction, which is mm-hmm. just so, so like skillfully done like I, yeah. it's it's hard to even compare to anything to it mm. and then you then it goes to like the scene in the bar with the, yeah, I was about to the say, casual I actually conversation just that watched explodes. that today because i was like it's thinking so about good. how good that is it's so good and it's yeah. just like yeah that film just is just so well-rounded mm. and i was like considering it being my number two but uh i'll get back to that later how about, yeah. how about you it has, uh, well i just want to say it has oh, okay. a few to zen to your nazi balls how could you not have that in your top five. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Sorry, Dylan. What is your um, number three? No, my number three spot is also in Glorious Bastards. Oh, whoa. Um, <laughs> I can't, can't really add it, anything other than uh, abusing to your, to your Nazi balls. But, yeah, no, that, that, that tavern scene, um, how, how how much that, like, slowly unravels and, mm-hmm. and the tension in that, oh, the buildup is, is, is arguably maybe Tarantino at, at his best in filmmaking. Mm-hmm. It's just how that shot. And the whole thing, like, it gets so in detail of, like, Germans put the three up like this. They don't put it up like yeah. this. Like, it's just like, it's just, I think it's like a 15 minute scene too. Yeah. It's uh, it's just, it's, and like you said, the first scene, which is 
which is probably the most notorious scene from that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, just the build-up intention is just – it's like nothing I've ever seen before. It's, and it's just mm-hmm. so well done. It's just – you feel like you're sitting at that table in that bar. Like you're just yeah. like, what the fuck is going to happen? This is this is so nerve-wracking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, number three for me is uh, yeah. Glorious Bastards. That was my introduction to Michael Fassbender as an actor, I think. I was about to say, that's probably the first movie I saw him in also. Yeah. Oh, he's so good. Like, so yeah. made me really excited uh, to see – x-men first class that came out pretty soon after that recall all right so dylan are you up again for number two in snake draft i sure am my uh my number two is uh the movie we just talked about for an hour uh once fun time in hollywood (laughs) um i give it a 97 out of out of 100 Mm. uh it's i think it's the best movie i've seen in like five years sort of a hot take but i'm like obviously incredibly high on this movie right now right yeah yeah. um i've seen it twice gonna see it at least one more time in theaters um, I've already said all I need to say about it. It's number two for me. It's uh, it's it's a beautiful film. I fucking love it. Yeah. All right, Tamor. What about you? I feel like I see where this is going as at least as uh, far as what Oliver number one is going to be. <laughs> but <laughs> my number two is Kill Bill Volume One and Two. I am mm. not above uh, <laughs> lumping them together. Um, Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> It's so hard to pick one because they both have such amazing... I mean, I guess if I had to prefer one or the other, it would be uh, the first one. But just be Well, the first one is just so good, and it has that fucking anime scene, which when I saw that as a kid, like, blew my goddamn yeah. mind. That I think that actually... I So my dad, like, rented us that on DVD. Mm-hmm. We watched it, and I was like, that was insane. Like, yeah. one of the most violent films I'd seen at that age, mm-hmm. but also, like, one of the best... And so influential to me as, like, a young filmmaker making, yeah. like, movies with my friends. And then he took us to see Volume 2 in theaters. And, yeah. like, I, I distinctively recall me and my brothers, like, sitting toward the front. My dad sat, like, in the back. And they, like, came over and they were like, you guys shouldn't be here. This movie's, like, too violent. You guys are, you know, what the fuck are you kids doing here? <laughs> we were like, no, no, it's all good. Or, like, our dad brought us here. Right. And I was just like, yeah, this is, like, not a kid's movie, but <laughs> loved it so much. Hey, this is some major cool dad points right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So my number two is uh, Django Unchained. Um, you know, it almost was the last movie I ever saw on the, on the ride back. <laughs> right. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I, I just love um, Tales of Revenge and like I guess the ultra violence doesn't dissuade me either. Jamie Foxx probably his coolest role in my opinion. Um, seeing Leo mm. as a sadistic um, slave owner monster when like I've never really seen him as anything else as like the hero or romantic lead you know in uh, anything and yeah Christoph Waltz's performance also good, not as good as Leah's, um, but we'll just throw that out there. <laughs> well, I think the Academy. That's like in it less too. Yeah. Uh, what was that? Tomorrow? I think the I Academy think would say would think differently. Yeah. yeah. Well, me and the Academy are usually on the same page. We were not on that. They didn't consult me. I should have won that. Oh man. All right. So am I up for number one? Sure are. So, Pulp Fiction is my number one. Um, <laughs> What? <laughs> uh, really? Yeah. Um, I I really love Pulp Fiction. I think it was a movie that, for me, I was like, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, you're allowed to do this? Like, you're allowed to write weird 
storylines of the times like all out of sync and like it doesn't really make sense or pay off to the end like this is something that you can actually do in real Hollywood and uh, I just remember being really excited by that and just it made me feel like that the world of like movies was super open and the world of like creativity was really you know there uh in his movies so yeah Pulp Fiction is my number one yeah this is kind of what I predicted Pulp Fiction is <laughs> also my number one yeah um yeah I mean uh, what else can I say like it's <laughs> I mean, I could talk about it forever. Is what I'm right. trying to trying to avoid. It's one of we should do a opinion. we should do a podcast where we just talk about it. So in case we ever can't record one week, we can just <laughs> throw it up. Yeah, I'd be down for that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in my mind, it's one of the greatest films of all time. It just it's like everything up to Pulp Fiction. I in my mind, as far as like even just American cinema, like adds mm-hmm. up to it. You know, you have like these classic moments in cinema that are just like so singular and so like iconic mm-hmm. and um i mean even even if you know if you haven't seen it and you're watching it for the first time i feel like you can you can even feel that you know you watch it and you're just like this is the coolest thing i've ever mm-hmm. seen like the writing is just so snappy so like so well performed by everyone like mm-hmm. all around and um it's just so it plays with like filmmaking in such a fun way mm. um yeah let me let me stop there because i could go on forever <laughs> <laughs> dylan what's um, your number one yeah my number one movie is um is hateful eight um no my number one movie is uh pulp fiction um right, pulp fiction's uh, my all-time favorite movie um it's uh it's a 99 out of 100 for me because there's no such thing as 100 out of 100 yeah, but right. um yeah pulp fiction uh was the the, the very first tarantino movie i saw Mm. um i saw pulp fiction maybe when i was like 10 maybe yep. um and then i kind of uh i i saw like kind of sneaking around when my parents were watching uh kill bill i snuck around and like managed to hide and watch the yeah. entire movie kill bill after <laughs> pulp fiction that's awesome um and like obviously i didn't really appreciate it then and as i got older i much more more appreciated these movies and pulp fiction always just stuck out to me mm. um kind of what more said there's it's just there's like several iconic scenes in, in cinema history as a whole in this movie. Um, the, the way that Tarantino, I guess like the meaning of pulp, and I, I think it's at the end of the movie, like or the pulp, pulp is like, it's nothing. It's just like, it's like, it's like just nothingness. And mm-hmm. this movie is basically, it's a day in the life uh, in LA mm-hmm. um, about these gangsters and this boxer and this, this uh, gangster's wife. Um, and just the way he tells the story, and like just jumping through time, when we open with uh, with um, Vincent and, and Samuel Jackson. Sorry, I'm completely drawing the blank on names right now. I just said it's my all-time favorite movie. Uh, Jules. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, that we jump from that, and then we get to uh, Vincent and Mia doing going to the 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 old-style diner, mm-hmm. and she obviously ODs and that whole fucking scene. Like that's like. It's just so goddamn intense. It's just so out of nowhere too. There's so many things in this movie that are just so out of nowhere. Yeah. Um. And the, the Mia Wallace ODing the first time I saw it. Then even the second time when I like like sort of like forgotten about how much happened in that movie when I saw it when I was older. Mm-hmm. It's just it's so it's just so wild. Just like like this is the movie. It's just like their daily life and like the shit that's going down. This is the movie. And then the next scene we see is Bruce Willis's character like throwing this fight and and 
John Travolta and Samuel Jackson being hired to go kill him. Mm-hmm. And then after that, that whole thing fucking spirals out of control to them going to, to Bruce Willis hitting Bing Rains with his car. And then as they're chasing <laughs> through the streets of LA, you wind up in the basement of a pawn shop that they're being held with a gimp and a sex slave with a guy named Zed and all that. It's just a fucking wild movie, oh my God, but it's just, yeah. it's, it's, it's just so unbelievably well done. Mm-hmm. And then you, you see John Travolta get killed and you're like, shit. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I like Vince. Yeah. That was, that was great. Yeah. And then what do you know after the, after uh, the Bruce Willis um, chapter is over, we get, we get, we get, um, we get John Travolta and Samuel Jackson again. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. we get, um, we also get introduced to the opening scene, which uh, of them holding up the diner, mm-hmm. and I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's as perfect as a movie as you can get without being completely perfect for me, honestly. It's, yeah. It's, 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 like I said, it's my entire movie. It's can't really say any more than, than that. I'm just, yeah. No, men all flustered just talking about have it. To do yeah. A, uh, um, standalone podcast where we just. Gush about how good pulp, pulp Fiction is for three hours, three and a half breakdown of like of like scene by scene. Of yeah, it's yeah. gonna be a Joe Rogan experience, like level in terms of how long it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! All right, is there anything we else we want to touch on before we wrap this one up? Um, I am good, Brian. Uh, Tomorrow, thank you for for hanging in there for a technologically difficult episode, but. Um, this is this is probably my favorite podcast we've done so far. I really, yeah, this really is really fun. Tarantino. I mean, like I said, we should de- we could just do all of them. Why not? We will just have them banked up and <laughs> make it a series. The three of us talking right, so Tarantino for the next the next nine weeks. We're doing Tarantino movies <laughs> only. So sorry guys if you wanted us to talk Hobbs and Shaw, but either I am not seeing that movie. So. There's nothing I, that I've can... actually been meaning to rewatch Inglorious Bastards, and I yeah. do need to see Jackie Brown. So if this is a real plan, <laughs> yeah. I'm, down. I'm very down. Right, Dylan, you're really gonna see Hobbs and Shaw? Uh, yes. Oh, I think I think you are too. Don't. What? We are not reviewing that movie. <laughs> shout out Brian. Shout out Brian Wong, our, our premium Patreon listener. Um, he, he he's very much looking forward to this movie, so we can't. At least go see yeah. Midsummer. I know Dylan, you saw it, but Brian, just go see that. Yeah. That's a much more interesting film. <laughs> I haven't even seen Hobbs and Shaw, but I just... it, it'll it'll yeah. be two. It'll be two. It's what the fuck weird. did I just watch? Yeah, one yeah. because it was literally what the fuck was that? That one would be like, wow, that was bad. Dylan, yeah. I have gone most of my life without watching a Fast and the Furious movie. <laughs> did not make me. I think that's more exciting, though. You're going to be just blown away by just the action, just the absurdity. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, this is our fake, guys. This is uh, this is what we do for YouTube, so you better tell your friends to subscribe to this podcast because I'm doing it for you. Yes. <laughs> or, or else or else, uh, we're going to start starving, Brian. Every, 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 like, every 10 subscribers me. we don't get a week, um, Brian is, is starved for, for right. 10 days. So right. that's fair. Fair <laughs> enough. All right, Dylan, where can they find you? <laughs> DJ Cloverlang with two B's at uh, Twitter.com. Twitter, the uh, the place where, where dreams are made. Twitter. Right. And to more um, your Instagram, anything you want to plug? I guess. Yeah. If you're interested, uh, I do have an Instagram, which is my full name. That's more Kutub. And uh, but otherwise, yeah, just just subscribe to our YouTube channel, please. Please, please do it. We work, we work hard on all these videos. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can find me at, on Twitter at the fake Bmar. That's B M A R R. Find the channel on Twitter at 
WG Everything on Instagram at Wicked Everything. Of course, on Twitch, even though we don't really stream much anymore, at twitch.tv slash Wicked Everything. If you're listening on iTunes, subscribe on YouTube. If you're on YouTube, go to iTunes, subscribe. And uh, yeah, thanks. I also, Thank you so much for watching. I, I don't want this to be forgotten. Um, we need to open like a, 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 uh, a GoFundMe for the Gilbert Gottfried right. um, well, we shout to, out. Yeah, we need to set on the show name. I think we have it now. So, so I don't want people to think that's been forgotten because right. I sure haven't. Oh, man. All right, guys. Thanks so much for watching. Bye.